Welcome to the Faith and Realism podcast, a podcast that breaks down topics of Christianity mixed with topics from everyday life. Here is a sermon message from Paul Thomas. Now, before we get started, I want to be that guy in the room. Um, (laughs) When we read the New Testament reading, do we typically stand or... Do we, do we sit, or what does Dad do? We sit. Okay. Fantastic. Just want to, make, just want to get, get that straight before we get going. We stay at attention, but we sit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I know some churches do it differently, so I, I forgot to ask you, Debbie. Um, I'm sorry about that. But, uh, um, I, I, <laughs> I like that, though. That, that, that's so good. Um, so, with, with that being said, our, our first reading is going to come from the Old Testament. Um, it's going to come from Numbers 14, uh, verses 20 through 24. And if you want to look ahead to our New Testament reading, it's going to be from Matthew 27, verses 45 through 54. Again, it's uh, Numbers 14, 20 through 24, and uh, Matthew 27, 45 through 54. Numbers 14 says, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men you have seen in my glory, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. New Testament reading again is from Matthew 27, verses 45 through 54. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sapatini. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we continue going through our service, I pray that it be not me speaking, but you speaking through me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you alone are my strength, our strength, 
and our Redeemer. Amen. If you were familiar with historical or inspired by historical events that leave you inspired, what comes to your mind? For me, this can range from events such as the fight to end the slave trade by William Wilberforce in the movie Amazing Grace, the moves by a young woman named Maria in her evolving love story with Captain Von Trapp in the Nazi Germany era during one of the greatest musicals of our time. Y'all remember The Sound of Music? Good one. Very good one. Both of these stories inspire the viewer to keep growing and to live a quality life. Yet what stands out to me, the most, one of the more inspiring historical events that, that comes to my mind is the story of Horatio Spafford. Born in Troy, New York in 1828, Spafford was the son of a, of a New York gazetteer author, um, Horatio Gates Spafford, and uh, Elizabeth Clark Hewitt Spafford. On September 5th, 1861, he married Anna Larson of Slavinger, Norway in Chicago, Spafford at this time became a lawyer and a senior partner in a large law firm. The Spaffords' faith is shown early as they, as they were supporters and friends of evangelist Dwight L. Moody. Soon after, um, Spafford became an evangelist himself. Uh, he would often uh, be uh, uh, evangelizing the word on, on his lunch breaks uh, at, 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 his, at his workplaces. Um, he all, with him investing in real estate uh, north of Chicago in the spring of 1871, the upcoming October of 1871, the great fire of Chicago reduced the city to ash, destroying both of Spafford's investment. His marriage and his birth to their four daughters and working in real estate and lawyer work, what Spafford's legacy is most known for is writing one of the most famous hymns that have been sung in this church, and, and churches world over, and that is a hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, we'll get back to Spafford and his family here in a bit, but the question I want to ask y'all this morning is, if God said no to either a prayer that you prayed or took away something or someone that you love, would your life still have purpose? I humbly say yes, that it would. But how do we get to the point that we know for certain that we do? Let's talk about that for a minute through a couple of principles that I think the Holy Spirit wants us to learn today. And that is knowing that you're not alone and choosing to live. Knowing you're not alone. In Matthew's gospel that we just read uh, a, few, a few minutes ago, it explains to the reader that after Christ rose from the dead and is ready to ascend back to the Father, that he had these set of instructions for us to remember. It's actually Matthew 28, 19, sorry. Um, it says, Christ said to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In all of his teachings that he did before, choosing to leave his disciples with these words should not go unnoticed. The late R.C. Sproul's commentary called this section an ideal of teaching believers not only what to believe, but how to obey God through what they believed for what they believed 
as well. Yet if you go deeper than that, it presents something else entirely. In all of our strivings to have the abundant life that Christ gives us, it should not end there. Should it? Acts tells us that we were created to be Christ ambassadors. And therefore, what this text of Matthew from our gospel reading should tell us that even when life gets hard, even to the point of our impending deaths, we don't have to face it alone. Christ tells us that he will be with us always through the Holy Spirit so we can rest in him instead of what we're dealing with with the uncertainty in daily life. And if you've experienced anything so far in 2020, it's been uncertainty. Hasn't it? My love for musicals knows no bounds, and in Stephen Sondheim's musical Into the Woods, he writes a, uh, a song at the end of the play that these characters sing. Uh, the words echo a mix of God's no uh, for, for Christ asking them for feeling forsaken with him still having purpose. And words kind of go like this. Mother cannot guide you now that you're on your own. Only me beside you. Still, you're not alone. No one is alone, truly. No one is alone. Sometimes people leave you halfway through the wood. Others may deceive you. You decide what's good. You decide alone, but no one is alone. People make mistakes, fathers, mothers. People make mistakes holding to their own, thinking they're alone. But we honor their mistakes that everybody makes. One's terrible, one another's terrible mistakes. Witches can be right. Giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. Just remember, someone is on your side. Someone else is not. While we're seeing our side, maybe we forgot. They are not alone, but no one is alone. It's hard to see the light now. Just don't let it go. Things will come off right now. We can make it so. Someone is on your side. Because no one is alone. We find purpose in our lives knowing that we're not alone. Choosing to live. God knows what the human condition feels like because his son endured all of what the human condition brings. <laughs> right? Hunger, thirst, the anguish of a friend passing. Jesus experienced it all, so please don't miss the significance of today's passage. The Son of God asked his father, even if several chapters earlier in Matthew's gospel, he said, not by my will, but yours, that I go do this for mankind, why he was going through this horrific crucifixion, and God did not answer. At least, not how Jesus' human mind wanted him to. God did, however, answer us. He gives an answer to us. God's answer to Job through his rejected nose of losing his family, livelihood, and more came in God literally appearing to him in the book of Job. God's answer, answer to us could mean a springing of online and technological advances to still stream or broadcast worship services during a global, I can't even talk today, during a global pandemic. 
or maintaining a relationship not based by the stuff one does, but enjoying the quality of the time given to them. J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, if I'm not mistaken. God's answer to us could be in a soon-to-be presidential election. Hello. <laughs> and more. God's answer to Jesus was honoring the promise he made a thousand years before him and before his birth by making him the one to redeem man's decision to invite sin into the world by Christ subduing it for our sake until Christ comes back again when it will be destroyed forever. God knows what we're doing down, on, uh, down here on earth, y'all. Jesus experienced it all uh, of what life has to give, like emotionally, physically. Yeah, he chose to live out the life he was living, even to his last breath. We have purpose from God by saying, from, from God saying no to us for anything that, that we ask for or that, that we're living out by doing the same. I told you we were going to get back to Horatio Spafford and his family. Uh, in, in 1873, following the great Chicago fire, uh, the Spaffords decided to vacation in Europe uh, to, to get away and refocus and, on themselves and, and kind of recharge for their future uh, after losing a lot of, what, uh, of, their, of their livelihood. Anna and their four daughters, uh, 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 they decided to sail ahead, ahead on the ship uh, Bill de Harve, I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, while Horatio, he was, he was delayed in coming because he stayed behind to take care of some business, like before he joined his family. The ship sank en route, and all four of their daughters drowned in the process. Anna, one of the few survivors in the shipwreck, wrote back to Horatio with only the word safe and alone. Horatio received the letter. It, it was many days before he received it. I mean, let's think about it. In, in, in that era, you couldn't just email somebody. So by the time Horatio got the letter, it, it had been several days uh, after, his, after his daughter's passed and his wife was alone uh, by herself. He received the letter and he sailed immediately to Europe, uh, therefore being provided God's answer to him what had happened with his daughters by writing to him, it is well with my soul, to help him reconcile with, the, with, with this loss. His therapy to deal with his own grief and yet pressing on to live in spite of it would therefore be sung in thousands of churches for many years to come, as, we, as it is in this church, I'm assuming. Um, he actually penned the hymn as they were passing over the same spot, the same spot where he lost his daughters. Y'all, that is a strong answer from God for why his daughters died, isn't it? That God call, God's calling his daughters home uh, back to him truly meant that he was not done using Horatio and his wife yet. That is good news, isn't it? You know, many years ago, this historical event of the Spafford story was made into a play uh, that was written by Amanda Graham uh, just called Bill DeHar. It was the name of the ship, and that was the name of the play. Uh, Lubbock Cooper High School decided to make this play a reality uh, to perform um, with Elena, my daughter, playing one of the daughters that drowned. In a performance that she may not have had a lot of lines, in the, uh, uh, she didn't have a lot of lines, the imagery of her and the other girls holding hands as they went up to heaven in a blue silhouette 
after the crash is an image that has not left my mind since. (laughs) As I saw this taking place and Horatio not letting go of his grief of his daughters, but choosing to live in spite of it, I couldn't help but ask, could I have this much will and purpose to live if that happened in my own life? Could I keep living in spite of God saying no to me having kids anymore? Would my life still have purpose? Because of Jesus, if that or COVID-19 or anything God says no to us having anymore actually happened, the answer can only be one thing. Yes. The question is, what are we going to do about it. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for you and your might and mercy. Lord, we thank you for helping us to understand that the deepest of belief requires the strongest of wills. Inspire us as we leave this place to inspire those who need you. Inspire ourselves to follow you and to love you with all that we are, say, and do as your witnesses of your word. Even when life circumstances beg us to do otherwise, give Pastor Maddox, Dad, and Mom a safe trip home this week. Be with us all in our week ahead, and continue to help us grow into your Son, Jesus Christ, in all things. As we pray out with this benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen. That's all I have. (laughs) You're welcome.